Today's date is September 1st in the year of our Lord, 2023, and this is episode 37. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy. They're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, his father, he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus, through the temple of Pontop. And he said, if you are the Son of God, the Father is a golden drop. A bowl of scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to show all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below and the devil gave told jesus you can have all that you see if you will just bow down and worship me get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan jesus said get away from me satan jesus said you don't tempt the lord thy god get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is an official Godcast. Thank God. Yes, it's Friday. I'm your host. My name is Ron Johnston, and I'm here with Flightworks Mary. Tonight, our special guest, Pastor Ethan Holmes. Hello. It's great to be with you all. Glad you made it, Pastor. Mm -hmm. Mary. Mary. <laughs> Mary's my silent partner tonight. She's and with us in spirit. She is with us in spirit. It's going to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
want to go over a couple announcements before we get started. Uh, next week, we're going to have musician Daryl Boyer. Uh, you may recognize Daryl Boyer. He uh, sings the intro song to Kilted Christian, and he's going to come and give his testimony. One of Mary's fabulous, fabulous guests. And also, uh, Katura Martin. Katura Martin all the way from Canada calling in and she's going to be giving her testimony. And then after that, we have Herschel Riggins, Herschel Riggins. You may not know him. You probably don't know him. I don't really know him. This is someone that I bumped into. It was a God thing. I'm sitting at the grocery store and I look over and this guy has these shoes on and, uh, they say they, they, they just had this, uh, I said Christian something. And I asked him, Hey, Hey, what's going on with your shoes, man? He says, Oh, you like those? I made those. And it turns out I had my, my Godcast shirt on and we got into a really good conversation and, and here we are three weeks, uh, three weeks from now, he'll be coming and giving his testimony. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I also tonight here on Podbean we have 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have the Conley. That's 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Bards FM is going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And then of course, Kilted Christian at 1030 tonight and the midnight. Midnight Shift, Fishers of Men with Scott Kesterson. Don't miss that. We will be praising Jesus, praising Jesus and glorifying God until about 1.30 Eastern time. So please uh, do me one favor, all our listeners, please share the Godcast. Let's spread the gospel. That's why we're here. Pastor Holmes, thank you for joining well, us. Oh, well, hey, it, it certainly is a delight to be back with you. Of course, um, I had the opportunity to share a bit of my testimony and uh, give a gospel explanation here, man, going all the way back. I think you said to episode eight. Yeah. episode um, eight. That was February 10th. That was a little while yeah. ago, wasn't it? So that, that was a little while ago. It's, it's funny. It's amazing how time flies, but that was certainly a great time. And it's a pleasure to be back with you again for the podcast. Yeah. For the listeners, uh, we have pastor Holmes, uh, back from episode eight where he came in spoke about salvation and that was really the only episode where we, it was just not somebody's full testimony pastor holmes gave a, a short little piece of his testimony there and um but but really it was just an oddity um as far as our shows go because we always just have a big huge testimony and then salvation so but it, if you missed episode eight please go back and listen to it uh it's going to give you all the ins and outs about salvation everything you'll that you'll that you'll need to know and if you have any questions, well, that's why we're here tonight. Um, if anybody here has any questions and this, that's in the live chat, go ahead and fire, fire away at those. I'll try and uh, pay attention to the chat as much as possible so I can get all these questions in. And then, and um, what's for dinner? Matt, you haven't eaten dinner yet? Matt and Hez asking, mm -hmm. what, we always talk about food during this podcast. Uh -huh. About and all the podcasts, everyone's talking about food. I, I don't know if it's dinner time or not. Yeah. Ah, man. Well, food food is important, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Um. So, yep, you're here, February 10th. It's been a little while. That was episode eight. This is episode 37. So, holy smokes, we've been doing some work here. Yeah, um, for sure. We are really happy to have you back. I've got some questions myself. So, just in case. Sure. Um, and that is, and that is our mission tonight, isn't it? We're just taking, taking requests or taking questions from anybody who's on the chat. So if you have any questions, go ahead and send them our way. Give us something to talk about. And Mary, if you have any questions, go ahead and text them to me and we will make sure to get those into pastor Holmes. As always, if you have any 
prayer requests, uh, please go ahead and text those in. And I have something that I wanted to talk about um, before we get into it too far. Um, Mary, you've been praying for my sons, Papa Tim and Pastor. You may have noticed my, my sons on Wednesday. They always raise their hand for unspokens. They, they do every single week. They've been praying for their papa, um, mm. uh, their mother's dad. And mm. this isn't something that we've spoken about, Pastor, but their papa has stage four throat cancer. Mm. And it got, it got pretty bad to the point where he was, you know, he went through his radiation, but, you know, he had a lot of, uh, just a lot of concern for him. It, it got so bad. He was on a liquid diet only. Uh, he just, he couldn't wow. eat anything, but tonight a praise report. He is cancer free. No kidding. Kid praise the Lord. Praise oh, God. that, that is awesome. Uh, we've been praying for him here on the Godcast. Uh, Mary's mm. been praying for him. We've been praying for him at church. And I just wanted everybody to know how powerful that prayer is. What, what a blessing that that's so encouraging to hear. Yeah, and I, and I know that's, that's going to mean something to those boys too. Cause that, cause here they've been praying all along for that. How to see God work in the way that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Praise God. That's a big thing, man. That's, that's big. It's a, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a great testimony to them. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, and it's, it sure has been great to see God at work in, in your boys. I, I tell you, I get to see that as a pastor, get to see that as a, uh, a teacher in our Christian school that our church has um, got the privilege of baptizing them here yeah. in, oh, in this last year, going back now a few months again, time flies, but uh, just, just a beautiful thing to see what God is doing in their lives. That's really an encouragement. Yeah. Both those kids are on fire. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. They have, um, they've, they've had some interactions with uh, some people outside of church and um when 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 pressed upon with some sinful natures my my boys have been quoting scripture to the kids down at the skate park ah. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> and uh really brings a smile to my face oh that's great and uh yeah yeah it's a beautiful thing it's great great to see them thri thriving musically as well of course i'm a musician myself um, and it's been cool to see them doing stuff with that in recent months. Yes. Are, are, are they current? Are they currently taking lessons? Yes. They're at the, uh, music, music community here, uh, Hastings community music school. And, uh, Jake's dropped out of piano. It's just, it's not really that anything he's really excited about, but Ronnie's really excelled at it. And Jake yeah. has moved into singing lessons. So we're going to be seeing him in the choir okay. the church here. Soon. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, Ronnie's gotten pretty fairly competent with what he's doing in piano. And we've, uh, we start in September 11th. He's also going to be taking ukulele lessons. So we're ah, going to get fun. him into the strings. So, okay. Uh, we figured piano good, good a for great, him. Great place to start. Piano is a great place to start. And then we'll move on to the strings and, uh, next will be a guitar and we've got a violin here at home. So hopefully he gets into that too. All right. You are, classically uh, that's great. Trained. That's great stuff. Say what you are classically trained. Yes, yes, I am. That's um, most of my musical background is classical training, and of course, playing in church from the time I was a fairly small child. So, 
Um, that's my background. And it's a, it's a joy. It's a ministry opportunity to be able to use those gifts for the Lord. And, and I can tell Ron, Ron's got the gift. He's, he's got, got the ability. So we'll see what God does with that. He certainly does love it. And, um, how, how many different instruments do you play? And oh boy. Ones? Well, it, de it depends how proficient you, uh, you expect me to be to count, <laughs> count them. <laughs> but, uh, my main instrument is definitely the piano. Um, I started taking violin lessons when I was nine, a few years after I started taking piano lessons. Uh, so piano and violin have always been my two main instruments, but beyond that, you know, I expand in all sorts of different directions. I play the organ at our church, which people hear that and they say, well, isn't, the organ basically just a piano yeah. and it does have it does have black and white keys on, on it but it's amazing how different it is as an instrument so it does take some work to to get really good at both of those um and then of course i've expanded to other things i can i can play a little bit of guitar a little bit of bass uh, bought a viola here about a year ago which is like a slightly larger violin really enjoy that um i can play trombone a little bit uh which is a useful because I use that in our band class here at our Christian school. Um, so yeah, pretty much whatever I can get my hands on and whatever I have time to mess around with. Uh, I'm at a phase of my life where I can do that and it's great fun. Well, I have a special treat for everyone. Uh, we always play a closing song and I found one with you. Oh, um, oh boy. This, this, this wasn't, uh, we didn't talk about this earlier. No, we didn't. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Uh, <laughs> I think it was it was played at uh, one of the um, picnics or something that we had. Return to Sender. Uh, ah, Mike sings. I, I I remember that. Mike yeah, Mike sings. You play violin. Yeah, and then um, uh, CJ CJ Hicks is playing the mandolin. I think probably CJ yep. Hicks was here. For those of you who uh, don't remember, CJ Hicks was here on um may 20th or no episode 20 episode 20 may 5th cj hicks came and gave his testimony so yeah you and mike and cj and also zach uh the four of you okay so that's good so that's my closing song tonight i had a nice one with you playing you're playing the violin you played pretty good uh, too <laughs> well i tell you what that, that was a great time so our, our church every year we do you know a fall festival or a summer picnic or something like that so just a chance for the whole church to get together and um, have some fun, um, get some preaching, get some good music in. Um, and we'll get the chance to do that again, Lord willing, here in October. We've actually got a, another fall festival scheduled uh, early October. Mike Berkey is in charge of the music for that. So yep, Burke just looking forward to doing excited. that again. Yeah. He really enjoys playing with you, Pastor. Oh, it's, it's, it's great fun for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell you, one of the downsides of being a piano player, is sometimes you just play by yourself in a room, which, you know, is fun as far as it goes. But there's there's something special about being able to get together with a group and do stuff like that. Boy, we have a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to do a uh, opening prayer here for those that are with us, and then we'll get into our questions. Okay. Okay. So everybody is with me, please. Let's go to Father's Power Heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, God. Thank you for, thank you for bringing us together here on Godcast so that we may fellowship in your name, to worship, to honor, to glorify you, Father. We're all here 
each and every one of us, we're all here because of our connection to you. Thank you for loving each and every one of us. Thank you for blessing us with Pastor Holmes tonight. Thank you for his time. We pray that our time here tonight will bless others. And I, I know it will because your void, your word, it never returns void. As always, I pray that tonight's work encourages and strengthens believers. And I pray that if there is anyone listening that isn't saved, that God, you show them their need for your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Lord and Savior. Above everything else, I just ask that everything that we do here tonight brings glory to you, Father. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we might just be blessed with Flightworks. Mary, looks like she's popping into the Zoom meeting. I'm getting excited about that. All right. Our first question from Matt and Hev. Matt, why you do this to me? You got me pronouncing a name. <laughs> <laughs> Melchizedek. Sound familiar, ah. Pastor? Yes, Mel Melchizedek is the way I'd say it. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Matt asked, who is Melchizedek? Or however his name is spelled, who is he? Ah, uh, so, so that's a great question. So you first encounter Melchizedek in the book of Genesis. Um, and he doesn't seem to be a main character. You're reading along in the story of Genesis, and most of the attention is given to a man named Abraham. You have and I, of course, know Abraham as the father of the Jewish nation. Uh, but along the way, he has this experience where he gets into a battle where he has to rescue his nephew Lot. And at the end of that, he encounters this guy named Melchizedek. And all you're told is that he is that he honored and respected him um, and gave him tithes. And then the question is, um, why would why would Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish nation, who had this very special relationship with God, why is he treating Melchizedek as his superior, as somebody who is greater than him, as as the father of, of the nation of Israel? Um, and you really don't have much of a sense for why that's significant um, in the Old Testament. But if you zoom forward all the way to the book of Hebrews, it talks about Melchizedek again. And what Hebrews tells you is that Jesus came not only as the, as the sacrifice for our sins, he actually is a priest, but he isn't descended from the tribe of Levi, which in Old Testament Israel, that's where all the priests came from, was the tribe of Levi. So you say, how can Jesus be a priest if he was not descended from Levi, one of Jacob's 12 sons, a descendant of Abraham? Well, it turns out that there is another priesthood that God has chosen in the Bible, and it is specifically the priesthood of Melchizedek. And God has appointed Jesus as a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who apparently it seems like he shows up out of nowhere. There's not really any other explanation that's given. And yet he is treated as an important priest um, that Abraham honors. And the same thing is true of Jesus. It's not that he can be traced back to Levi in terms of his ancestry, but God has pronounced him as our great high priest. And that's not something Christians came along in the New Testament and made up. You can see that going all the way back to the Old Testament with this mysterious character Melchizedek. So if you're interested in Melchizedek, definitely uh, take a look at the book of Hebrews 
um, chapters five, six, seven, you'll find some explanation that helps you understand his significance there. So follow-up question for Matt is he says, so you believe Melchizedek was Jesus before coming as a sacrificial lamb? No, um, I, I don't believe that. Um, there's, there's no indication that's given in Genesis that the character Melchizedek is God or is Jesus. It's simply that Abraham honors him as a priest. Okay. Um, and of course, at that time, the Levitical priesthood had not been set up yet. And so it was a different situation where you have certain characters who seem to have had a special representative relationship with God. Um, and that seems to have been what was going on in that case. Thank you, Pastor. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps, Matt. Uh, well, I have a question. I wanted, you know, I this first started out where I I wanted people um, asking questions about salvation, anything like that, and then I I just said, you know what, let's open it up to the whole Bible because, um, just because, no reason. Yeah, yeah. Why why not? <laughs> But uh, my first and initial question is if you could if you could speak about the role of baptism in regards mm. to salvation. Yeah, boy, that and that sure is an important one, isn't it? Um, because there are a lot of different ideas out there about why why we would baptize, what that accomplishes. Um, is it a big deal? How big a deal is and, it? And and, um, and can you also and can you also speak about you know that. Um, there, there are there are some faiths out there that will baptize babies. Yes, you know, and can you go into that yeah. a little bit? And and is that considered salvation for the babies? I mean, how does this work exactly? Right. Yeah. So so this really is a denominational issue. So if you go to a Baptist church, or if you go to a Presbyterian church, or if you go to a Catholic church, you're going you're going to get different explanations um, of baptism. And there and there are you know, Bible-believing Christians on multiple sides of that debate. You know, can you baptize infants? Should you baptize infants? Um, I, I approach the issue from a traditional Baptistic perspective, um, and my argument would be if you read the New Testament, there's, there's no evidence in the New Testament that's discussed anywhere um, of infants being baptized. Okay. Uh, the assumption that people who believe that in that practice will make is they'll read the Old Testament where you practice circumcision. And of course, circumcision was practiced on infants um, uh, on the eighth, uh, eighth day of day after their birth. Yeah. And so people who hold that position will say, well, because that logic was in place in the Old Covenant, then if we're going to follow that logic under the New Covenant in the New Testament, then we still do the same thing for, for infants. Uh, the only problem I see with that is there are some differences between the Old Covenant and the new covenant. Um, and in the new covenant, the new birth, which is specifically something that is inward, um, it's, it's you being born again. You're not, you're not part of the new covenant simply because uh, your parents happen to be Christians. You have to actually be a Christian yourself um, and to be born again. Um, that I see as a critical distinction. And so obviously there are lots of people who get baptized without understanding the gospel, without having true faith in Christ. But uh, from a baptistic perspective my my goal is to help people to see the connection between being baptized as an outward sign of the inward work that the holy spirit has already done in your heart so once you know jesus as your savior and then you are baptized then at that point you're giving testimony to something that god has actually done inside and, you and biblically that, that's kind of laid out in the great commission because 
it's it sounds like you have sure. to have the knowledge first right and the baptism second so it makes no sense to be baptized and then gain the knowledge later you know you're getting baptized before you can even walk talk crawl and then you're gaining the exactly it's kind of backwards or flipped right okay. and, and i'll just clarify that you know for those denominations that practice infant baptism you know that still believe the gospel they still believe that christ is uh, the one who's paid the sacrifice for our sins you know they they will say that it's christ who saved it's not the baptism itself that saves um, but they do believe in practicing it on, on infants who then will later on come to understand the significance of what they've already done. So it just, it, switch, it switches the events around from our perspective as those who are more Baptistic. Thank you, Pastor. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, how are we you? We can. <laughs> <laughs> you can see me too? Yes, yeah. good, good, good to meet you. Wow. That was really fun. <laughs> Quite the nice to meet you, Pastor. Yes, good, 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 good to be on again. Good to be with yes. you live officially. Yeah, good thing I tried to start all that like forty-five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, so. Mary loved episode eight. She listened to it. You know, uh, before we had oh, it good. on God, before we had it on Godcast, you know, we had the recording because you Burke and I were at the church right the recording, and the first thing I did is sent to Mary, and Mary's like oh wow oh wow i can't wait i can't wait to play this and then you know like two days later she's oh. like i listened to it three times this is going to be really good yeah uh, it so, was oh, very pra good praise the lord praise so, the lord for yeah, that that's encouraging and we refer to that quite a bit here on the godcast we do we always talk oh, about so. episode eight go back to episode eight if yeah you're confused about salvation if you don't know go back to episode, it's it's one of the rocks in the yeah. corner here it's beautiful. We well, love the it. gospel, the gospel is at the center of all of it. And all of our stories are going to look different. So we bring all these different testimonies in, but you know, the core reality of the gospel, it's, it's there in every yeah. case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't always get to get to go through every, every detail, every part of it, but that's, that's what all of these stories have in common. So it's what it's and all you about. Know, you know, I pay more attention to it now. I mean, I, I have, you know, had the opportunities to share the gospel before the Godcast, but um and i've been was familiar with romans 10 9 you know like we you 10 uh 9 and 10 sure. like we say a lot here but um i notice now since we've been doing this i it's so upfront for me every time hmm. that scripture comes up or if if someone is giving a salvation call or something i mean i've been to a couple different concerts this summer and people were sharing you know a salvation call and you know the big screen up there and it's it's got romans up there and mm. it just i just was very encouraged by that yeah. and it's a, it's good to have that good reminder about right. that so well you know you notice it more when you're intentionally sharing that message yeah. with others and, and being impacted sure. by yourself by it yourself so that's yeah. a beautiful thing yeah yeah Oh, Miss Mary, you're uh, late to the party. Uh, do you do you want to do you have a question? We we had one from Matt in the audience. Uh, I've got one off. Well, how about yourself? Did you have a question? I had a question about um, communion. I just wanted to know. Um, I've had a couple different people talk about that in my life, and I just wonder what your perspective is on on communion. Like, what it for those that don't even know, you know, what is that? And why do we do that? And um, is this 
you know, just an Old Testament thing or is it just an is it New Testament or what does that mean? And, you know, all the things about communion, if you wanted to talk. Sure. About that. A absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, again, from my from my perspective, theologically, um, God, God has given us as the church basically two ordinances um, or sacraments. Some churches will use that terminology to describe them. Uh, one of them is baptism. And then the other one, as most Protestant denominations will understand it is going to be communion or the Lord's Supper. Um, and we do that specifically because Jesus commanded his disciples to do that at the last supper before his crucifixion. Um, and then he told them that they were supposed to keep on doing it. Uh, in fact, he told them that they were supposed to ob observe that practice um, in remembrance of his death until he comes. So has Jesus come back yet? Well, nope, not yet. So that must mean that that's still our responsibility is to keep on doing that. Um, and once again, the, the same issue applies with communion that does with baptism. People forget why they're doing it, or they think that it's accomplishing something that it wasn't ever designed to. So when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished because he paid the penalty for our sins. And because of that, those who, those who trust in him, they are absolutely secure and have eternal life in him. Um, and so we're not participating in communion to gain salvation or to keep salvation. Um, or anything like that, but we're doing it because we need a reminder. Um, it's like the old hymn says, uh, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Um, we need that reminder as believers. And so every time we do that, we take the bread, which looks a little bit different depending on where you're observing the Lord's Supper, but you take that bread and that reminds you of Jesus' body being broken for us on the cross. You um, drink that wine, that juice, and that reminds you of Jesus' blood, which was shed for us. Um, and different churches do that differently. Our church, we observe communion once every month. Um, and that, in our experience, seems to work pretty well. You know, if you do it every week, there's the possibility that, well, it becomes a little bit less impactful. Yeah. You, you stop really being affected by it quite the same way. But on the other hand, if you only do it like once a year, then, well, then, you know, that's a long time to go without having those moments to really do business with God and seriously think about what he's done for us. Um, so that's that's my perspective when it comes to communion. Um, like with baptism, I'd encourage you, make sure you know Jesus as your savior first, because that's your that's your big need. If uh, as, as a human being who is a sinner, that's every single one of us by definition, uh, you need to be made right with God. And then once you are right with God, and you, you have a right relationship with him, now you can observe the Lord's Supper, understanding what it means. It's not now testifying to something that you haven't experienced in your own heart. And that actually ties into another question that we had from someone. Uh, well, it wasn't really a question. It was just a statement. And maybe you can address this. Um, sure. They said, don't leave out the part about the commun about communion being a curse to the unrepentant. So mm. what would you say about that? Is that what you're talking about as far as coming with a uh, yeah. repentant heart? So um, so 1 Corinthians 11, for those of you who are interested in studying this out further, you'll, you'll see reference to communion in the Gospels at the end of all the Gospel accounts. But 1 Corinthians 11 is the main passage that you'll want to go to to study, uh, to understand the significance of the Lord's Supper. And if you look at the context of the book of 1 Corinthians, you come to understand that the church at Corinth had a lot of problems. Uh, in that way, a lot of a lot of our, our churches could relate that it, this was not a perfect church. And one of the problems that they had 
was that they were not taking the Lord's Supper seriously. They were, in a sense, desecrating it because people were showing up before one another, and then they were consuming it as as food, and then they were getting drunk, and then there wasn't enough left over for any, anyone else. Uh, lots of things that were not being done well. And so the Apostle Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that it was significant. Um, and he said that if you're going to participate in this, you need to examine yourself. And that really is the, the part I think, I think that that question is alluding to. Um, and depending on what Bible translation you're looking at, there's the line in there that says um, that, you're, that you're not supposed to eat unworthily. And I remember when I was when I was younger as a kid, I, I struggled with that because I had to say you know, at any given communion service I went to, am I actually worthy to participate in this yeah. right. uh, on, on any given day? And of course, I, in my heart, I couldn't say that I was worthy, right. but that really isn't the point. Um, the point is, are you participating in a worthy manner? Uh, it's only okay. Jesus himself is the only one that is truly worthy. He's the only one who can honestly say I am without sin. I yeah. can't say that when I come to the communion table, but I can take it seriously. I can come before the Lord with a repentant heart um, and that is taking seriously what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. And if you're doing that, then I believe that you are fulfilling uh, the command that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 11. But it's an important thing to do because Paul actually says that many people in the church at Corinth sleep because they have not been doing what they should have with communion. And of course he's using that as a euphemism. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not sleeping in on Sundays. They're actually dead Us. Yeah. as a result of God's judgment for yeah. not taking it seriously. So it's, it's an impactful thing. It's interesting. You mentioned the translations because I think the message, which really to me is more of a commentary than a translation in my mind, but sure. it, you know, it is a valuable resource, I think. But um, that passage in the message talks about um, go eat your cam sandwich at home. Mm. I think that's exactly what it says. Yeah, eat your sandwich, eat your ham sandwich at home before you come to church. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've you've got houses to eat and drink in. That's that's not the purpose of this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that puts it in very vivid terms, doesn't it? Yeah. We had another question. Um, this comes from Deplorable Dog Mom. And she said she would like to know and ask the pastor's opinion about the book of Enoch. Mm. I have tried a few times to read and learn about it, and each time it feels wrong and off to me. I pray about it, and I still get the same feelings. My sister, who is a pastor's wife and does ladies' ministry, had a lengthy discussion about it. And the opinion I have been given so far is that it's never been proven to be true i never it was never part of the canon of scripture thoughts yeah this one gets me too because because we talk about enoch and the old testament and the apostles reference him mm -hmm. so we know that he's real right but is the book of enoch real yeah uh, and that really is the question, isn't it? Um, and and that's that, that's a great practical question to have because it, essentially the question is, how do we know that the books we have in our Bibles are the right books to have? Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, that's that really is something that Christians across centuries across the world have 
have basically agreed upon. And, so, and we take that as the leading of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the word of God. Um, you, you've had that experience of reading books that are that are helpful, but then you read the Bible and then and God's spirit speaks to you in a way that's different. Um, and that confirmation is something that that Christians have basically agreed with one another on down through the centuries. Now, there are these books uh, from the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha is all these books that were written between the time of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, and there's actually some valuable history in there. It explains some of the things that were going on and what we as Christians think of as the 400 silent years between the book of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament and then the start of the, the introduction of the gospel in the New Testament with the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and so that history is valuable, but even the Jews themselves never treated those books as being equal to the rest of what we think of as the Old Testament. And early Christians would have responded in the same way. Um, so yes, Enoch, absolutely a biblical character. Um, we'll, we'll We'll stake our flag in what the Bible says about him. Um, but yeah, I, I do not consider the book of Enoch to be on the same level of inspired scripture as the rest of the Bible. Um, so that that would be my short answer to that question. Um, and when she referred to the canon, that's when the group of people had gotten together and decided what was going to be in the Bible, which is, I don't remember right. what year that was in church history, but it was... Yes. Yeah, so so can, canon is just a word of this is this is not a thing that goes boom. Um, that, that That's a different kind of canon. Uh, canon is just a, when in, we're using it in this context, it just means a rule um, that determines or, or measures something. Um, and so the canon of scripture is what the church believes is inspired scripture from God. And there are plenty of good books out there um, that are useful, that are valuable for us as believers, but that doesn't mean that they are inspired from God in the, in the same way that the 66 books of the Bibles are. Uh, and Christians have, have largely agreed on, on that collection down, down through the centuries. So I think, I think we can be very confident in that. Uh, and if, if you have questions about that, just dig into your Bible. Uh, it's really easy to get distracted by all this other stuff that's out there and say, well, I wonder about that. You know, is that maybe, maybe I should be paying attention to that. Well, you've got your Bible, Go ahead and read that. See if it speaks to you. Uh, in my experience, um, it, it sh shows itself to be the word of God every time. Uh, and that's where we want to put our confidence. So, Just in the same manner as the message translation is an additional seasoning sure. seasoning to the scripture. Yep. Yeah, there might yeah. not be anything about a ham sandwich, in, you know, in the original version. <laughs> Probably but... not because it was pork. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> uh -huh. But that's the, absolutely the idea. Yeah. So you're saying no true value in Enoch in the book? Um, Have you I would it? view it as interesting historically, Okay. but I'm not sure how confident we can be in, in the actual content that's in there. Okay. That, that, that's just my, my personal read on it. Yeah, I've, I've read it and I feel like it, uh, it strengthens a lot of other scripture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. there's, like you said, a lot of people, this is, People have discussed this for, you know, since Enoch was right. found. So Right. Well, and anytime, you know, we, we run into an issue with questions like this, because anytime people talk about a book that's really old, the question is, well, is it me extra meaningful because it's really old? But people were writing books 3,000 years ago, just like they are now. So, so the fact that it's really old doesn't automatically mean that 
Correct. you know, it must have some special level of authority. Right. So, um, and also I will say, you know, when it comes to that matter of the Apocrypha, um, there are other extra biblical books that people sometimes talk about. And um, so, some of them just are not inspired scripture. Uh, some of them are, are just, I would say, on a pastoral level, on a theological level, just flat out wrong. Um, so you'll see that with competing gospels that were circulating within the first couple hundred years of church history, like the Gospel of Thomas. Um, yeah. that, th those kinds of things started to become a big thing when the Da Vinci Code came out here uh, a few years and ago. And then the Gnostics. Yeah, that those, those Gnostic yeah. Gospels. Um, and so that is not only, I would say, not inspired scripture, but I would say actually is contrary to the scripture that we do have. So yeah. not all of those extra biblical books are in the same category. Some of them are useful, others of them less so. Right. Okay, and I've got a question. This is from uh, Matt and Hev again, and it's something that I've thought about too, because you know what, when I, when I grew up, I was in a Pentecostal church. And okay. Matt's question is, what do you think about speaking in tongues and, and how should that be done? You know, as a, as a child sitting in church, I remember mm -hmm. the first time I heard it and I looked up at my grandmother and I said, what is that guy saying? I can't understand. Yeah. That. You know, and she sh yeah. sh 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 shushed me and then spoke to me about it afterwards. But, um, it was always someone speaking in tongues. And then after that, always somebody would give a translation of what that was. Mm -hmm. So again, yeah. the question, what do you think about speaking in tongues and how should that be done? Sure. Um, well, um, I'll just, you know, all my cards on the table for myself, I, I don't see the gift of tongues being practiced in our day in the same way that it was in the New Testament. Uh, the technical word for the different positions about that are cessationism and continuationism. Continuationists believe that, you know, healing miracles, uh, speaking in tongues, supernatural prophecies, all of those things are continuing in the church in the same way now, 2000 years later that they were in the New Testament. Um, the cessationist position, on the other hand, is that those things seem to have changed at this time period in church history. Now that we have the New Testament, now that we have the completed word of God in those 66 books, um, the role for those gifts has changed. Um, and, that, and that's the position that I personally find to be more compelling. Uh, there are plenty of great Christians out there, uh, better men and women of God than I am, who disagree um, and you, and I would certainly encourage you to, to read the things that they've written to see the arguments that they use about that issue. Um, my encouragement is that for anyone who believes that those things are still in force being done in the church is make sure that you're practicing them scripturally. Um, and there are people out there who are making good faith efforts to do that. Um, what I mean when I say that is what Paul talks about again in the book of first Corinthians. So in the church at Corinth, once again, people were very gifted and they were exercising those gifts, but not in a way that was actually helpful. Um, and so Paul gave some very specific directions where he said, you know, if you're going to speak in tongues, there also has to be a translator. Why does there have to be a translator? Well, because nobody's going to be able to understand what's being said. And so the person speaking might be edified because they know what they're thinking. They know what they're communicating to God, but nobody else knows. So if you're going to do that, then there has to be an interpreter. Uh, Paul also says you've got to make sure that ev everyone is going one person at a time. So it's not this chaotic experience where nobody's paying attention to or listening to anyone else. Um, but there's actually a sense of order and decency in the service. Um, and so all of those instructions, Paul lays those out in 
quite quite a bit of detail actually in First Corinthians, especially um, chapters nine, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14, that whole yeah. that whole range. Um, so I'd encourage you to check those out. Um, as far as you know, the gift of speaking in tongues is concerned. What one of the reasons why I don't find personally modern tongues to be compelling um, is because it doesn't seem to transfer over to actual human languages, which is what you do see when Pentecost happens, and now the apostles are speaking, and everyone says, "Hey, we're hearing, we're hearing them in our languages. These are our native tongues, that, and 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 they're speaking in those languages." Um, so it does seem to me, at a minimum, that that what people who are practicing that um, today are claiming is a little bit different than what we see in the New Testament. But if you're going to do it, make sure you're following the instructions that God gives us in the New Testament. So I I have something actually to add to that, and it does. um, And someone else had another question that might dovetail into this before about dispensationalism. But um, I wanted to add something that kind of tagged onto what you just stated, because I think that many times, maybe if people haven't experienced something, mm-hmm. they, you know, they wouldn't know. And, and I personally have experienced something and I'll share this little quick short story that when I, uh, I was graduating from a seminary class and we had a big graduation, uh, event and we had a pastor that was giving a message and my friend who was sitting next to me she's a very close prayer partner of mine Mm -hmm. and uh and we know and he started to speak in tongues and it's nothing that was unusual to me i mean the church i grew up in definitely did not do that but the church i have been in now it's not super prominent but it is very accepted and people do it Sure. Um, so I knew about it, so I wasn't shocked or anything. And so he he just he went about speaking in tongues during this after the messages prayer time, and he was doing this speaking in tongues and to the group. And afterwards, we were talking, her and I, and I said, Yeah, what do you think about that? You know, the pastor talking in tongues. And she said, I didn't hear any tongues. Hmm. I heard him just praying and it was very prominent. So Mm. if, if you, so she heard what he said. Uh So that to me, you know, we talked about that and prayed about that a lot. This was like 10, 15 years ago. And uh, I believe she's possibly a, a, a translator or whatever you, would call sure, it translation. Yeah, or, or an interpreter, interpreter, of interpreter yeah. of tongues, yep. because mm-hmm. she could understand what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, that, that's, that's an interesting possibility to consider. Cause of course, if, if the tongues are legitimate, then somebody should have the corresponding ability to translate that. Right. Exactly. Uh, cause otherwise, cause otherwise there's not any edification that's happening. So, and, but I agree with you that some, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people, I think we're all human. We have that, you know, capacity to use any gift for our own vein right you know like using the lord's name in vain basically kind of using and that's and that's yeah. what the church at corinth was doing they, they were yeah. doing it because it was all about themselves it was all about yes. the gifts not about ministering to other people and you can do that with any gift uh, pastors oh, do that. yeah pastors exactly. do that with the gift of preaching 
you know, they, they've got a platform and then all of a sudden before you know, it's, it's all about them. And yeah. that's not the way it's supposed to be. Not by a right. Long shot. And Jesus talked about the motivation of the heart. That's the most important thing. Amen. Absolutely. You know, what you have in your heart and, you know, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer, you know, in Jesus right. eyes. So it's all about your motivation. And so we all, I guess that's where we depend on the Holy Spirit. Sure. Absolutely. You know, to discern and yep. So. Amen. So another fantastic question from Matt, Matt and have, and uh pastor, if you could, please do dogs go to heaven? <laughs> uh, I, I tell you what, that, that is not a meaningless or unimportant question. I know. Uh, to, I know to, those, to those of us who have and, and love our animals. Um, from what I can tell, I, I can't tell that the Bible gives a, a definitive answer to that question. Okay. Um, there, are, there are some people who will say, well, no, that, that obviously isn't true because after all, you know, human beings are created in the image of God. We have a, a soul, a spirit that makes us different from animal creation. Um, but who's who's to say that God could not, you know, bring back bring back an animal that you loved, a pet that you loved um, on this earth? I, I don't know of a reason that that couldn't be the case. Um, something that um, has been observed when you read the Book of Revelation, there are animals there. Uh, if animals glorified, if animals glorified God in His original creation. Uh, when he created this world and at the end of it all said it's very good uh, i see no reason why animals would not continue to glorify god in a newly remade earth um, whether that's the same ones or not I, I i couldn't presume to say for sure um but one thing we can say is that for those for those who belong to the lord for those who have heaven as their hope as their eternal uh as their eternal hope it's going to be as good as it can possibly be Whatever that means. So if that means you've got if that means you've got Fido there with you, then um, God is certainly able to take care of that. Could you imagine a farmer in heaven without any animals? I know it's it's hard <laughs> to imagine, isn't it? <laughs> of course, by the same token, then you've got the people that really love hunting and fishing. Oh my! And so goodness. you ask, well, are are you still are you still allowed to do that in the new creation? <laughs> I don't know. Question. Those are interesting questions. Um, another question, and, and this was actually one of my questions. Matt and Heather, sealing all my questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matt's asking. They're drilling down on it. He's asking <laughs> a question about rapture. My question was the word rapture is mm. not found in the Bible. So, where does this idea come from? That was my question. Matt's asking, and I know that you do, um, do you believe in rapture? And do you think it's pre tribulation, mid, post? Uh, does he believe that Jesus will come back and rule physically for the thousand-year millennial reign, uh, reign, or is or is it just spiritual reign? Which very good, very, very ties into the other question about dispensational. Yes, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that question. So um, again, just just to be perfectly upfront with where I'm coming from, um, I do come from a fairly moderate, fairly traditional dispensationalist perspective on that issue. Um, and, and there, there are reasons that I could go into for that. Again, I will be the first to admit that there are plenty of people out there who are much smarter, more educated than I am, who have alternative positions. Um, and whenever we're talking about end times, whenever we're talking about that larger topic of eschatology, uh, we want to make sure that we approach it with humility, 
because the Bible has a lot to say about it. And frankly, it is really hard to put all that together. Um, now, that all being said at the outset, the reason why I do consider myself to be a premillennialist, um, that means that I believe that there is going to be a literal um, thousand year period where Jesus is reigning on this earth on the throne of David. Um, it is simply because the book of Revelation does talk about a 1,000 year period. Um, and it doesn't just say it once, it doesn't just say it twice. It, says, it talks about this time period of a thousand years a number of times. Um, and at the end of that, you have to say, well, why is this repeated over and over again? Well, is it just because the number is symbolic of something? Or does God actually mean a thousand years? Uh, if that was what he meant, how else would he say it other than to say that there is going to be this time period of a thousand years? Um, and it does seem to me to make sense to interpret that literally. That's generally the way we as Christians read our Bibles. We try to take them basically at face value. We know that there's, there is figurative language. The Bible uses illustrations. It uses analogies and such. But in general, when you read the Bible, you take it at face value. When you see Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in the New Testament, um, in general, those prophecies were fulfilled literally. Um, and so it seems to me that the best approach is to pretty much take those prophetic passages at face value. So that means that um, I do believe that Jesus will reign on the earth for a literal thousand year period. Um, and also, as far as the tribulation is concerned, the question there is, um, and this is not something that somebody who doesn't believe in a millennium at all is probably going to be that concerned about. But if you believe in a literal millennium, the question is, um, when does the rapture occur in relation to that thousand year reign? Uh, or when, when does it occur in relation to the tribulation? Uh, in other words, do we as Christians get out of the tribulation because of the rapture? Uh, my position personally is that the answer is yes. We, as Christians, we get out of the tribulation because Jesus raptures the church um, away from this earth before that happens. Uh, my argument for that would be based on the book of First Thessalonians which talks about um, the church being caught up together to be with Jesus in the clouds and then being with the Lord. And then if you continue to the end of the book, that last chapter, it talks about being saved from wrath. Um, and you say, well, what wrath might that be? Well, it seems very natural to me to conclude that that's talking about the wrath of the tribulation. Um, that being said, there are other positions. You could believe that the rapture happens sometime in, in the middle of the tribulation. You could believe it happens at the end of the tribulation. Uh, my sort of tongue-in-cheek response uh, to people who have a different position on that is, well, it doesn't matter if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, uh, you're going to get raptured whether you like it or not. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, then, like um, then it's, it's all going to be fine. Um, I like to um, say I'm a pan-millennialist. Pan and it's that's going to pan other, out. That's, that's, the, that's the other thing that can be said about it at the end. It's all going to pan out in the end, for sure. I think if you live your day every day as if he could come back and right up to that point is the importance of it. Mm. And I yeah. think if we spend so much energy trying to figure out what's going to happen, what, how much time could we use, you know, in sharing the gospel with somebody, you know, other than that? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I you always want to, you want to keep the main thing, the main thing, don't you? 
And yeah. um, what's interesting is if you read what the New Testament teaches about the future, whenever it reveals something about the future, it's amazing how consistent this is. Um, whenever you're told something that's going to happen, it says, now, therefore, do this. Yes. Right? There, there's always a present application. It's always supposed to change how you're living right here, right now. Yeah. Um, and so if you're do if you're doing your study of the end times right, that's always going to be the result. It's going to impact the way that you live right here, yeah. right now. I had a professor tell me once, whenever whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore therefore? Absolutely. And that, then that, look that's back. a great that's a great rule. You know, so and for the record, I, I do I believe the opposite of that. I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but like sure. I said, it's it's all going to pan out and right. it's good discussion. I think it's always good discussion to get into the Bible and talk about what God has to say. And, yeah. you know, we're all human and we all have opinions and different minds and how we, you know, mm -hmm. we can hash things out and having a civil discussion, I think is really important, you know, like absolutely the Bereans. I mean, the Bible talks about the Bereans would just dig into the scripture and just discuss right. it and, and, you know, try to discover. Amen. Things, so, yeah. yeah. And I tell you, something that I've observed, you know, as, as a pastor, somebody who kind of is tapped into the theological world a little bit more than a lot of folks are, you know, people talk about dispensationalism or the alternative to that is traditional covenant theology. Um, and historically, you know, if you fell into one camp or the other, I think you really did look at the other side, you know, with, with a little bit of question, you know, a little bit of suspicion in your mind. But as you look back over the last maybe 50 years or so, it really seems to me that people in those separate camps, they've, they've kind of been coming toward the middle with each other. So some of the really radical, far out fringe ideas that you look at, no, there's no way that's biblical. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, a lot of those, those ideas that got floated out there, um, you know, as Christians continue to grapple with these issues together, you know, we may not believe exactly the same thing. We may not exactly have it all put together the same way, but you're, you're, you're going to get close yeah. on, a lot, on a lot of the big ideas. There's no denominations in heaven. <laughs> That's exactly. Right. That's right. <laughs> God, God's going to straighten us all out. That's right. It probably will be very different than we all think it's going to be. Yep. You know, so we only sure. know in part. We're only going to know in part. So, yep. Okay. Let's see if we got any more questions here. I've been jabbing, so I haven't really been watching, I think. Uh, another um, question from Matt and Hev. Pastor, do you <laughs> Boy, think... they're keeping us going tonight. Yeah. He's a curious guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that. Do you think we are in end of days and are we in or at the beginning of sorrows or near the great tribulation? Mm, yeah. You know, that's that's one of those questions that, you know, as somebody who identifies as a dispensationalist, you know, seems like I ought to be able to come right out and say, well, yes, of course we are. Because dispensationalists have a long history of, you know, identifying current events and showing how they all kind of fit together to um, uh, create that story of the end times as we see it in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. But um, if anything, uh, if we've learned anything from the last, say, 100 years of dispensationalist history, um, it's that you can look at current events and think it looks like what the Bible's talking about, and yet then something different happens. Um, it seems to me that a lot of Christians with the, with the fall of the Soviet Union, um, they started taking some of those predictions less seriously. Now, I look at it and say, well, Jesus is coming back. 
what, what, one of these days it's going to happen. Um, and I don't know for sure that as I look at the world around me right now, that, you know, things are, things are building to that climax. But on the other hand, Jesus did talk about the signs of the times. Um, and he did talk about the importance of, of being aware, see, seeing things that are going on in the world and recognizing that his coming is near. Now we can't go from that to setting the date. Uh, Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour. But on the other hand, I don't think it's a wrong impulse for us to look at the condition of our world and saying, well, it looks like maybe maybe his coming is going to be sooner. And like we were saying earlier, then that would inspire us to uh, to live the way God wants us to live right now as his children, as salt and light in this world. Yeah. So that, that's and, kind of a roundabout answer, but that's where I approach that issue from. And it encourages people who don't know Jesus to maybe, oh, okay, maybe the Bible is right. Sure. You know, to be curious about that and mm -hmm. see the connections and, and want to dig in, you know, so. Right. And there's an irony there because there are some Christians who, because, you know, Christians have said things that were unwise about Jesus coming back at a certain time or something like that. Uh, there are some Christians who almost kind of give up on Bible prophecy. They just kind of say, well, I can't know anything about it, so I'm not even going to think about it or talk about it. Uh, the irony is that there are some people out there who aren't Christians, and yet they're looking at the world around them, seeing things going on, and they're actually asking some of these some of these deeper questions. I wonder yeah. what is going on in this world. So, as people yeah. who care about the gospel and evangelizing those who are lost, you know that ought to be top priority for us. We can capitalize on that as Christians. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's see if Matt and have have another question. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. I just told those guys that uh, thank you for asking the questions and um, they're always good to, yeah. you know, we, we got the pastor in the hot seat tonight. I don't know if he knew <laughs> that he was going to be there, but you're doing so good. Thank oh, you. Oh, well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm always game for anything. I may not have I may not have the answer and I'll try try to be honest if I'm if I'm just totally shooting from the hip. <laughs> you, you know, you said that Sunday at church, you're, you said yeah. something about like that. And I said, no, you better have every answer, buddy. In my head, I'm thinking <laughs> you better have every answer. Uh, <laughs> um, another question, Matt and have, do you believe women should or should not preach? Mm. That depends what you mean by preach. Um, so we're, we're hitting all the controversial ones tonight. We are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you look at the New Testament, there are passages that do seem to restrict the preaching of, of the pulpit in the gathered worship of the church to men. That's that's the way that I put those passages together. Now you always have to you always have to counterbalance that with what the Bible says about men and women's fundamental equality in Christ. Uh, we are heirs together of eternal life. Um, there is, you know, in Christ there is no male, no female, no Jew, nor Greek you know, we're all one in Christ. And so that absolutely has to be made clear. Um, and you don't just get that from the New Testament, by the way. Even the Old Testament says that God made man in his image, male and female. He created them. So it's not just men that are created in God's image. It's you have man created in God's image, which includes both male and female. Um, and so that absolutely um, is a, a key truth that we cannot lose sight of. Um, but there are these passages in the New Testament that do seem to restrict um, the preaching role in the context of the church to men. Um, if you're interested in looking up those passages, um, I'll just go ahead and direct you to 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, same chapter that, by the way, talks about uh, Lord's Supper. We were talking about that earlier. 
um, also talks about um, women praying um, or speaking in, a, in the context of a church service. And it talks about some, some of the restrictions that God put in place for the church of Corinth uh, in that situation. So 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 would be another. Um, and then also uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, though that would be another place that you would want to look, look at uh, to see what God says about uh, women preaching in the context of the church. Now, there are lots of churches I know that you, you can go to today that, that do not consider those to be God's revelation of his timeless will for the church. Um, they'll say that was just a case in Ephesus, or that was only a case in Corinth, but in other places, you know, God has something different in mind. Uh, but if you look at a passage like 1 Corinthians 11, uh, when Paul says why women should um, acknowledge the reality of headship or authority in the context of a church, um, he grounds it in creation. He doesn't just say, this is true for you guys because you your women are out of control. It's, he doesn't approach it on that footing. Um, he actually says, you know, there, there is a logic that is rooted in creation itself. So the challenge for us as Christians is how do we do that without ignoring the fact that God has a role for women in discipleship and proclaiming the gospel, yeah. and, and in that sense, engaging in the work of preaching? Because God doesn't give that responsibility of evangelizing or sharing the gospel just to men. In fact, you can look in the New Testament um, at that famous couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Yes. Um, and if anything, it sort of seems to me from reading the New Testament that maybe Priscilla was sort of the dominant force in that relationship. I mean, she's always mentioned first, um, <laughs> almost as, as though she was really the one who was sort of taking the bull by the horns, teaching Apollos, uh, encouraging Paul, you know, ha have, having church in their home. Um, all of these things. And so we don't ever want to hold to an understanding of gender roles that says women are not supposed to be sharing the gospel or women aren't supposed to yes. know or study theology. That's not, that's not a biblical understanding of God's roles for men and women. Maybe it just comes down to leadership and the role of leadership. Yeah. I, I think that's true. And, and I, and I tell you as, as a pastor who has very intelligent and gifted women um, in the church that I that I serve in, uh, I would be a fool to think that I can't learn anything from them, or that yeah. they have nothing of value to teach me. And you'll 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 hear about stories like that from time to time in churches where, you know, the pastor is very heavy-handed, and if a woman comes to him with, you know, a suggestion or a correction or a question or something like that, then he's just very dismissive, and that's. Um, I don't think that is a mark of good, healthy church leadership or healthy masculinity, for that matter. Excellent answer. And Thank you, we had another question that was, um, again, on dispensational. But before I actually get to the question, I don't know if we actually explained what that is. I think sometimes oh, sometimes yeah. we all tend to, you know, if we're in, we're Christians and believers, we tend to start speaking Christianese. Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> and like, I could just imagine someone listening to this and just pulling it up, you know, next week. And they're like, what is that like a dispensary? Is that like <laughs> a vending machine? You, mm -hmm. you know, like where, what does that mean? And where does it come from? And why is it called that? Okay, and then we had a, we had a question that related to about whether or not if it's a hundred years, well, I'll read the question after you just. Sure. Yeah. So, so, so that's a great question. Um, so, um, everyone believes that there are different time periods in history where God does different things, uh, regardless of whether you call yourself a dispensationalist or not. 
Um, if you go back historically, dispensationalists were known for having these really complicated charts. And in these charts, they would have timelines and they would have really distinct time periods where God was doing things that looked very different from one another. That was kind of what dispensationalists were known for. And when you talk about a dispensation, from that standpoint, you're talking about, you know, a time period where God is doing something different now than he was at, of some other time period in history. Um, as time has gone on, most people who identify as dispensationalists have become more careful about overemphasizing the differences between those time periods. Uh, some people, for instance, you know, almost came out like they were saying that in the Old Testament, you were saved by following the law. But actually, the New Testament makes it very clear that you're saved by faith. Abraham was indeed circumcised, but he had faith. And because of that, God considered him to be righteous. So that's true, whether you're an Old Testament believer or a New Testament believer. And so you want to make sure that you don't view these different time periods and histories being so different from one another that now all of a sudden you've got multiple gospels. So all that being said, dispensationalism, what is it? As a system, basically dispensationalism tends to emphasize more the differences between time periods in salvation history. So for instance, if you're looking at the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, a dispensationalist is going to generally see a pretty big distinction between the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament. That's going to be something that they're going to make a big deal of. Now, somebody who's not a dispensationalist, somebody who holds to covenant theology, there's a chance that they are going to see a much closer connection between Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New. In fact, they may consider the church to be simply the new Israel that has inherited all the Old Testament promises to Abraham, um, inherited all the Old, Old Testament covenants and all of that. So it does make a little bit of a difference when you are interpreting Bible covenants, when you're looking at fulfillment of prophecy, but at the end of the day, whether you consider yourself a dispensationalist or not, that doesn't change the gospel message, which is that Christ died for our sins. Um, so it, it's, it's an issue that affects how you understand parts of your Bible for sure, and it's worth discussing for that reason, but it's not a core issue that's going to affect your salvation. Thank God for that. Amen. <laughs> you have another one, Mary? I'm on mute and I'm talking and no one's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, the question that came out um, about that was you mentioned the changes to dispensational viewpoint in the last hundred years or so. The history of disp dispensational estetology is only 200 years or so. In light of that fact, why is it? Why is dispensationalist theology superior to what the church fathers believed? That's a yeah, lot. That, yeah, that, that's a great question. So, so really the question I, I think that is sort of underlying all of that is, you know, did the church fathers get everything right? Um, mm -hmm. And is it possible for theologians to grow in, in, a, in a direction of great, greater biblical doctrine um, as the centuries go by. And I would say that um, the early church fathers, if you read them, there are some things that they say that seem to me to be very, very biblical, very, very sound. Um, on the other hand, there are some things that they'll write about um, or that they'll preach about, and they don't really seem so biblical to me. 
Uh, one area in, that I see that in, for instance, is marriage. Um, there were some of the people that we think of as the early church fathers who ha actually had a fairly low view of marriage. They thought that the best thing was for men and women to be um, celibate, to be to be individual, uh, to be in individually unmarried, um, and to to in embrace a life of celibacy for the Lord. And you see the practice of you know monasticism, where you get monks and nuns living a celibate lifestyle, growing out of that. Um, well. Paul talks in the New Testament very clearly about warning people that they're going to be they're going to be those who are going to come or going to forbid people to get married. Like that's a bad thing. Like be alert to that. Um, and so my, the way I approach that whole issue is to say that the fact that it was happening a long time ago that it's really old doesn't automatically mean that it's most biblical. Um, we want to pay attention to what those who have come before us have said, what they've thought as they've grappled with these issues, but actually theologians do build on one another's shoulders um and i would it seems to me that um as dispensationalists have interacted with each other um they've they've arrived at a much more biblical viewpoint and approach to that issue as as time has gone on mm -hmm. um and sometimes you know sometimes your historical context affects that so the early church was very concerned about defining the doctrine of the trinity uh, was very concerned about defending the deity of Christ, making sure we understand that Jesus actually is God. Um, and so when you pray that prayer of salvation, confessing that Jesus is Lord, what does that actually mean? Well, it means capital L-O-R-D, uh, he actually yeah. is Lord. Um, and so the early church was very concerned with that issue because it was an issue that was under attack. Um, it was not something that everyone agreed upon. Um, and so sometimes, you know, as you moved into different time periods of history, the church has greater levels of interest in different areas, different topics, um, and sometimes greater clarity comes from that. So coming from the perspective of somebody who identifies as a dispensationalist, that would be my answer to that question is that, that's, that there's greater okay. clarity that's come from that level of interest over the last hundred years. Okay. As a, as a follow-up to that, I think there was, he expressed some concern, like what the concern came from is um he states also even today there are many dispensational preachers that say if you don't believe a literalistic view of revelation you are not saved it comes off like a devilish psyop in the light of its historically recent advent and the change of focus from christ to the rapture yeah so i think that was what his concern seems sure. to be about that so yeah, and I I appreciate that, and that's that's something, boys, as pastors, and even you know just as you know Christians, uh, we ought to be careful about throwing around accusations. Well, some so and so believes something I think is wrong, therefore they're not a Christian, they're not saved. Yeah. Um, if if you're going to make a statement like that, make sure that you're doing it because there's a fundamental truth of the gospel um, that is that is being affected. Um, and sometimes, frankly, we say things like that because it's easy to for us to. We all have our echo chambers that we live in. You know, if you have always been a part of one church where you've heard one perspective, you go someplace else and hear something a little bit different, then you think, oh, my goodness, they're teaching heresy. Well, you know, maybe it, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, but just the fact that it's different doesn't automatically mean that it's a salvation issue. Yeah. So as Christians, we want to keep those things straight. Yeah, we don't know anybody's heart. Yeah, you know, the Lord only knows that. So, mm -hmm. well, and like I said earlier, you know about the rapture. You know, if yeah. if, if my view of the rapture is correct, then all the cr true Christians are going to get raptured, uh, whether they believe that or not. 
Um, and that's, that's true with all these issues. You know, at the end of the day, God is going to correct us on some of them. Uh, but we want to have grace for one another in the meantime, as we're all yeah. try, trying to understand the truth, trying to understand the word better. And it is interesting. I mean, it really is. I mean, even just these topics, just um, I think it leads a lot of people to research in the Bible. And isn't that what we want? Absolutely. Yes. You know, so. Yeah. And, and not just to listen to the people that you already agree with. You know, maybe maybe even check out somebody who has a slightly different opinion and see see if they have a good argument. Maybe yes. they don't. Maybe they do. Yeah, we've got one in our community. He's, he's been a little under the weather. Uh, and we'll pray for him later, Jeff. Mm. And, uh, yes. and, 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 and Mary will agree with me. You know, Mary and I have talked about it. We don't always agree with everything that Jeff says. And I know he doesn't always agree with anything that we say, but <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty confident we'll be in the same place when all is said and done. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. So I'm trying to find a question from deplorable dog mom. I'm scrolling back. I said, I see one from her, uh, deplorable dog moms asking when dealing with non-believers or those who are on the fence, how do you respond when they ask you, why does God allow such horrible things to happen to people? The big mm -hmm. one is children. We believe God is in control of everything. So, yeah, uh, she honestly gets stumped when someone throws back at her. If God controls everything, why would he allow innocent children to be trafficked, abused, murdered? Couldn't he stop it if he wanted to? It's yeah. something that she just doesn't know how to respond to. Can you help her? That out is that? an excellent question. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that, that's the problem of evil. Um, and, you know, people will, you know, say that there are all sorts of objections to Christianity or to the Bible, and they'll, you know, come up with an argument for why you can't trust in those things. Um, I actually think that that probably is the hardest argument for Christianity, Christianity and for Christians to grapple with. Uh, because at the end of the day, you have to acknowledge that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he may have a fully legitimate reason for doing something that we look at on a human level and say, there's just no way that if I were God, I would ever allow something like this to happen. But the fact that he's God and the fact that I'm not does make a difference in my ability to call God out and to judge him for the choices that he makes. Now, that being said, there, there are some responses that you can make to, to questions like that. Um, the one thing that I would say that is always important is you want to make sure you understand where the person who's asking that question is coming from, because if they're just using it as what they think of as the checkmate answer against Christianity, then you can have a legitimate argument with them about that. Um, but if they're coming at you from the experience of having suffered something terrible as a child or having you know, lost a child or something like that. Um, then you're going to have you're going to have to interact with them with a lot of compassion and with a lot of individual understanding. Maybe even before launching into your all of your apologetics arguments, um, just kind of sit there and listen to their story um, and show compassion to them in that way. Um, but that being said, you know one of one of the things that I have always found compelling when that whole question comes up is, well, why do I think child trafficking is such an evil? If I believe that it is an evil, then somebody has to define that as an evil. It, 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 if, if I have an understanding of something as just being absolutely wrong, the way things are not supposed to be, I, I have a conception of what is right and what is actually the true standard. Um, actually, if you think about it from an atheistic standpoint, 
atheists have a much harder time with things like that because all they can do is say the reason the world stinks as much as it does is just because it evolved by chance to be that way. Well, that doesn't give you any hope for changing it because after all, evolution kind of locks you into the state that you find yourself in. Um, and so if I actually feel like my world is not right, that there is evil, that there is suffering, then I have to believe in a God who defines it as evil and also gives me hope that it's possible for it to change in the future. And that's where Christianity comes in and it gives great hope uh, in answer to that question. It doesn't take away all the pain, certainly doesn't take away the individual suffering, uh, but it does give hope on the other side of that suffering. So I would say in the end, Christianity is a much better place to be to confront that issue. But you're right, it's, it's a very hard thing to have to grapple with. For sure. Yeah, that is a very good question. And I think something that I think all of us at one time or another have been faced with that comment from someone. Mm -hmm. you know, I know so. that we've had a guest, and this was a friend of yours, Mary, who's lost a child and they're still looking for this child. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that they've went through that because the Lord has prepared them to be a blessing to others. And it's evident yeah. in the way that they're living their life now that that's truly what they are. They're a blessing to others. They've taken that lesson and they've helped Absolutely. so many other people with it. And they yeah, God, God can bring great good from very evil, tragic things. Yeah, that's Paulette. She's episode a few ways back. Hmm. She had her son abducted 30 some years ago. So. Hmm. And she yeah. shines with the light of Christ, I'll tell you. Yeah, that's that that's an amazing testimony. She's one yeah. like um uh BJ Van Amen who gave his his uh testimony here. His father, Brian, mm. uh, yeah. lost a daughter when she was seven, crossing the road mm -hmm. to get mail and was struck by a car and died. Yeah. And I knew Brian for about three years before I found this out. And you would never know it if you met him because you'd think someone yeah. like that would have a huge chip on their shoulder that they would just be angry at the Lord, angry at the mm -hmm. world. But he is such a bright, sh shiny light that you would, yeah. you would never know that if you met him. Right. Uh, just amazing. Absolutely. What do you got, Mary? I see your wheels turning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> see my wheels turning <laughs> i was just reading a comment by uh truth patriot and he does bring up a good point yeah. um he said that well that well i think that when they ask that your retort should be do you think harm to children is evil so then you recognize evil is real therefore mm. god is right that that's great that's yeah. at, at its core that's the issue i remember um was it uh, Dustin Nemos when he came to give his testimony here? One of the things that that brought him, he 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 came, he, you know, he came to it um, to know God because he recognized evil, and that was it. He knew if yeah. there was evil, there must be a God. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, the only thing that that matters is defining your own existence, your own meaning, your own purpose, um, and that all sounds great until all of a sudden you start taking advantage of other people. Um, and that's, and that's what people will inevitably start to do. Yeah. And, you know, there's the free, there's the free will aspect to, you know, God gives us free will, which means people have the choice to do right. evil. And there is evil because people chose evil. 
Mm -hmm. You know, and that would be the argument of somebody like Augustine, you know, to, to refer to one of those early church fathers we were talking about. Um, he, he, he was one of the first to, to articulate that idea that, you know what, it's, it actually is better for God to create a world in which people can freely choose to love God, to do what is right, and yet also freely choose to do wrong than to just create a world in which everyone just automatically, robotically does whatever they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and, and you can see that. You, you want to live in a world in which your choices matter. They have weight. They have meaning and significance. But there's a lot of evil that goes along with that. Yes, for sure. Okay. I'm scrolling through here to see if we have any other. I have a question. Oh, yes, go. This is one that keeps me up at night, Pastor. Ah. If Jesus knew God's plan for him, why on the cross did he ask, why have you forsaken me? It's always mm -hmm. confused me because it seems like he was just so surprised at the end. But it, yeah, it, but we know that he knew all along what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that that is a great question. Um, and whenever you come to a question like that, you always have to um, you have to remember that the Bible was written by by human authors who could see the significance of what they were writing and understood, you know, that it had to all fit together. And so the same, the same biblical authors like John, who was ta talking about Jesus before the cross, talking about how my hour has come, Father, glorify, glorify me um, in the world and talking about the crucifixion in that way also acknowledges that, that Jesus made that statement. Um, and so he didn't see it as a contradiction couple things I'll say about that. One is that that particular cry comes from Psalm 22. And so when Jesus does that, he's actually, um, he's actually quoting scripture in the Old Testament. And so the fact that he's doing that, you know, adds an extra layer of significance. He's not just doing it because he's wondering or because he doesn't know. He's, he's giving voice to that, that cry that was contained in the book of Psalms. Um, but also, I think that there is a human side of Jesus that you do see coming through um, in those words. In the same way, when in the gar he's in the garden, he's praying, um, you know, he says, Father, if it, if it be your will, take this cup from me. And yet he's known all along the purpose for which he's come to the world. Um, I think that that is his humanity coming out as well. And the Bible is very, very direct about presenting Jesus to us as God, as Lord, uh, but also presenting him to us in all his humanity because he had to take our punishment um, as a yeah. human being. And he did that in his full humanity as well. And isn't that wonderful, really, mm -hmm. that God chose to tell his story in a way that we can resonate with? Yeah. in our own lives and how we've been re felt rejected and how mm. we've felt tormented or we've you know tempted yeah. and and all these things that you know the lord has chosen to have this transaction that he created however it worked works you know we don't know it all like the spiritual sense mm -hmm. of how this is what it is but he's chosen to incorporate his divinity and his humanity all woven together like that and that we can we can take that part and realize yeah jesus he knows what i feel like Amen. you know so yeah I, i'm reminded of um, what the author of hebrews says in hebrews 2 talking about talking about jesus 
um, as one who can empathize with us. Uh, in, in Hebrews 2, verse 17, it says, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, talking about his humanity, uh, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Uh, Jesus is able to empathize with us in our human weakness because he knew what it was to be human. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. It's a great question, Ron. Thank you. Okay. Well, I must say, Pastor Holmes, you have done an outstanding job being sitting here with all these oh, questions and and we we don't hold back very in this kind group. <laughs> we don't hold back that's you know, that's and, a good thing that's yes, what we're, we're we're here we're here to grapple with the big questions and we may not have all the answers we may not have it all figured out but by god's grace uh with the help of the spirit with the help of the word we're trying to get there yeah so and i i so appreciate your your humble heart in this as well and that you um you're you're so knowledgeable about about the word and the lord and but your relationship shows through mm. which you know at the end of the day it's 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 about the heart you know it and is. so i just i just wanted to tell you that thank you and no oh, thank thank you, you. That, your, that means your a heart lot showed your, your heart showed through that, tonight <laughs> praise the lord that's 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 yeah. a real encouragement here thank okay. you if i could one last final question yeah how many ways are there to get to heaven? <laughs> one door and only one. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. What is that? I, do you know who Ravi Ravi Zacharias is? Have you heard of him? Who says yes. So some of the things you talked about tonight resonated with me because I've listened to a lot of his mm. messages. And one time he was at a college and he was um for those that don't know he is uh what is called an apologetist well he was he died now but mm -hmm. he was an apologetist and he would defend the faith and he would go out he was uh from india and he converted to christianity and he spent his life's work going to out mostly to colleges and speaking to young kids young adults and defending the faith and he he got in a lot of debates with a lot of pretty famous people i think he actually got he debated uh who was that guy that talks about the evolution all the time it's pretty famous he's in the wheelchair uh, pro, uh stephen hawking yes be the wheelchair guy yeah yes so um but anyway he i heard one talk one time and he he said that somebody had asked a question about why is it that you know I just think that it's so unfair that God gave us just one way to to get to him. That's just not mm. fair. And his answer was, maybe you should look at it. He didn't have to give us any way, and he gave us a way. That's yes. right. Amen. Amen. So I thought that's, that was that's God. Awesome. That's God's grace. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. What an awesome night tonight. I'm so glad that it. I was able to get in here finally. Ah, yeah. <laughs> great great to have the chance to meet you officially. Yes, yes. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Pastor. And always always good to be able to hang with Ron too. I oh, appreciate that. <laughs> I stand corrected. Ravi was Egyptian according to defy, to defy tyranny. Mm. 
Okay, so with that, I'm going to go into salvation. Um, reading out of Matthew 18, Matthew 18, 12 through 14, if anyone wants to turn with me. Matthew 18, 12 through 14 says, and this is, this is red letter right here. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than he does the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Yeah, so many have bought into Satan's lie that, that they're worthless to other people, insignificant to God. But Jesus has indicated in his mission that he wants to save the lost no matter how few or how insignificant they're considered to be. You know, God the Father does not want anyone to miss the opportunity for salvation in Jesus Christ. God values, values each one of us. No matter how painful our past, no matter how far we have strayed, if you will simply admit your need for him and seek to follow his will for you, you will discover just how very important you are to God. Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. I do have our call lines open if there is anyone here that has not been saved and you wish to. You can do that tonight. Simply call in. Mary and I, Pastor, will pray with you. For those listening on the recording, uh, if you're looking for the right words, you can go to our Telegram page at This Is An Official Godcast, and we have our sinner's prayer, our prayer of salvation there. Um, also, Romans 10, 9 through 10 is there on that page. If you need a Bible, please get in touch with us at This Is An Official Godcast at gmail.com. I have a few left. Uh, New Living Translation, New Believers Bible. These are New Testament Bibles, the Gospel of Christ. Um, please get in touch with Mary or myself, and we would be more than ecstatic to send you a Bible. Mary, it's been a great yes. night. I almost hate to end this. It was. It was a really good night. I I just appreciate everybody um, that asked questions tonight and participated. and. Um, like I said, we we're uh, we don't hold back in this group, so you know, I think that's like it's the way it should be. So it's awesome, and I really appreciate your coming in in here tonight and having this really good discussion. So, yeah, thank and, thank you for those questions. Those th those were great for conversation. Yes, exactly. Talking to the guys at work, I said, we're going to come at Pastor a little hard tonight. <laughs> I, said, I don't know if he knows what he's gotten into, but I'm pretty fairly confident in him. So yeah. I think we're going to be just fine. Yeah. yeah. It was a God led night. So it's always going to be good, right? Amen. All right, Mary, if you want to close us out here. 
Okay. Uh, prayer requests. Were there any prayer requests at all? Um, not that I noticed in chat, but I do have a couple that uh, we're going to pray for Jeff and his wife and for Joseph. It's not feeling good. I don't, I don't know if there is going to be a kilted Christian podcast tonight, Okay. but he was not feeling good, um, yesterday. So we'll pray for him. And I think there was a couple other people, but I, it escapes me. So maybe it'll come to me in prayer. If not, God knows. Okay. It's confirmed. They are canceled tonight. Hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing Pastor Holmes to us tonight. Thank you for, for guiding him and, and all of this discussion and Holy Spirit, man, you showed off tonight. Thank you. Thank you for your guidance, for, for it is you that leads us into all truth. And sometimes we have to trudge through things to find that. And, and Lord, I, I just, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that we're able to, to learn about you and we're able to discuss you and we're able to know you better. And we all just want this deeper relationship. And so the word is so important. And thank you for those that preach this word. And thank you for the ministry that you've, you have uh, led before uh, Pastor Holmes. And that um, I just ask for a blessing upon him and his flock and you know, the whole congregation and, and his family, just an extra portion of blessing upon him. And um, just continue to give him encouragement for spreading the gospel. Continue to give him joy in every, every circumstance that he's in, that he will find the joy, that you are the center of the joy, Lord. I also pray for for Jeff and his wife. I pray that they'll be able to experience some healing, Lord. We miss him. We miss him a lot, Lord. Spend this time with him and this quiet time that he's been away from us. And just I just pray for a new revelation for him. Just continue to encourage him that, that he knows that God has a purpose and a calling for him. And I pray for his wife that she will also feel some healing and restoration and relief and rest and strength um she's caring a lot right now for him and i just thank you thank you lord that they have this marriage that they can depend on each other like this and that you're at the center of it lord and thank you for that lord i'd like to lift up anybody else here tonight that's feeling like 
you're a little lost and maybe overwhelmed by things that tonight's discussion might put another fire under them that maybe they'll open up your word tonight holy spirit i ask that you give each and every person that's listening either tonight or in the future lay upon their heart and their mind what it is that you want to say to them specifically what you want them to learn about you i know that you'll do that lord so we're all praying in agreement with it and we'll just praise you right now for it so thank you and i lift up any any prayers that you know i didn't see but you saw you saw even deeper in their hearts so we just pray in agreement for your will for their for them lord and thank you for again for tonight thank you for the godcast thank you for ron thank you for thank you for what you're doing in his family wow <laughs> it's pretty awesome so thank you lord and thank you that um i was feeling a little not too good this week and so Thank you for helping me through that and pushing through and thank you for the technology that we were able to finally get hooked up here and we just lay it all to you lord we lay it on you and we surrender it all to you and we give you all the praise and all the glory and this is the god cast not the the mary cast or the ron cast or the pastor home cast this is the god cast and so thank you for reminding about that you know to us lord and thank you for the joy we felt tonight thank you for the questions all right in your name jesus we pray all of this and we look forward expectantly to what you're going to do next in jesus name amen 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 Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Pastor Holmes, thank you for joining us tonight, taking time out of your busy life and busy schedule. Thank you for having me. It's been, been a pleasure. Oh, man, you're awesome. Wish we could have you every Friday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've I wish I could commit to that, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm ready for that level yet. <laughs> well, we could get you on Podbean and you could just jump in sometimes just to chat. If you sure wanted thing. to, if you're bored, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're always welcome. You know, we we yeah. had uh, we had three of us here with Burke, and uh, he's pulled away with his busy life. I mean, if you ever right. wanted to pop in and say hi on a Friday night because you had nothing else to do, just know that you're okay. always welcome. Hey. You always have a home here, Pastor. Thank you. We love you. Brother. I appreciate that. All right, I'll leave you with this, my dearest friends. Let us not forget we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please find that person that you love that does not know God and share with that person your testimony. Share with that person the gospel of Jesus. That's why we're here. And uh, I'm going to end you all with a song, a special treat tonight. Um, this is Pastor Holmes. We've got we've got a song here, and this is uh, this is uh, our old co-host Burke, and uh, let me see, uh, C.J. Hicks is on here, who who gave his testimony back in May, and uh, Pastor Holmes, and another guy that uh, maybe one day we'll get him on here, Zach. Nice. And, uh, so uh, so uh, 
if if you, when you're listening to the song and you hear the violin playing, that's Pastor Holmes. <laughs> oh, and just so you know, Pastor Holmes, sometimes the Zoom won't let us hear it very clearly, but it does come out clearly on the oh on good the pod beam. So if if, if, you, <laughs> if you hear some it going in and out, that's just the technology of Zoom. But gotcha. And stick around for after. We'd I'd love to talk with you a little bit more. Oh sure. Okay. When I'm gone, turn sender on my stone. In time, the body will succumb. Call the faithful servant home. Right with chisel when I'm gone, turn sender on my stone. Turn sender on my stone. Though my name is written in his hand, spoke there in the promised land. So write with chisel when I'm gone, turn the sander on my stone. And I want to hear a job well done, I want to hear it from the sun. So write with chisel when I'm gone Turn the sender on my stone Turn the sender on my stone Pastor Holmes on violin. <laughs> yeah, brings back some good memories. We're gonna have to get back at it. Yeah, Boy, I tell you what, that was that was a rough night. That was like it was like forty degrees out. My my fingers were so cold. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm I'm hoping the weather's a little bit better for us this time around. Oh, I'm sure it will be. We had someone ask. I love the song. Who sings it? And what's its name? How can I get it? Oh my goodness. Uh, who sings it? That the, one, our, the one and only. Our old co-host, Mike, Bur Mike Berkey. Mike Berkey. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, how can you get it? Well, if you if you DM me on Telegram, I'll send you. I'll send it to you. How's that? Best I can do. And uh, yeah. there's actually a uh, video of it on YouTube, so I can send the video to you. It's from YouTube. Pretty good stuff. There's a yeah. couple of them on there. Love them, man. We had Mike singing on a few 
earlier episodes at the end mm, yeah too so if you, was, if you go back on our episodes you'll yeah. be able to hear him singing too, sang the old the rugged end. cross to us uh it was a request yeah. from jeff and he sang it it was beautiful i was going to mention mike um is he has a real servant's heart and one of one of the many things that he does for our church is he kind of oversees our sound system and um boy it's amazing the things that he keeps running and that he manages to do for us back there um and because he's got that skill you know with, with the sound with the with you know orchestrating everything digitally he can he can make sound pretty good on the, on the audio end too so it's kind of a handy thing he's, yeah. he's good with mu the music production side of things yeah i've i've seen and we when we had him as a co-host i've seen him in his music room when we were on the zoom and and i've yeah. seen how how particular he is about his mike and his voice and he's how he real. sounds he's for real yes yep yes. <laughs> good sure. guy to have around man yeah and oh we should mention that our next get together with this group of people we're going to be in kentucky at a place called mandolin farms in kentucky so i thought oh, that was kind of interesting that's cool yeah love the mandolin oh it's a great instrument yes okay all right ready guys to thanks for joining us we'll see you next oh. week okay uh 7 p.m eastern time right here on yep. podbean and next week daryl boyer big exciting week next friday daryl boyer uh you yes. can find yes. him and his music on youtube and you can find him friday next friday right here on this is an official yeah. godcast we'll see you here next week guys have a good week have a good yep. week bye yep. you still have time to make conley 10 minutes